enter the zone. The Prophecy Zone, your end-time watchman, bringing you light in a dark world where truth is rivaled with a lie and the matrix is normal life. Luke 21. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of heaven shall be shaken and then shall they see the son of man coming in a cloud with power and great glory and when these things begin to come to pass then look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh you are now in the zone so be ready to enter the light or truth about the end of days so you will be ready for the coming of the lord you are in the zone the prophecy zone So join us for the next hour as we look at world events in line with Bible prophecy so you'll be informed and be ready for the coming of Jesus Christ. Probably one of the greatest tragedies uh, in Christianity today, I believe, is the apostasy concerning the soon return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I honestly believe that those among us here who are really looking for His coming and yearning for it would be absolutely shocked at the masses in Christianity today who no longer believe in the coming of the Lord. They have jettisoned that from their thinking and their theology. They are not looking for His coming. They are saying He will not come in my lifetime. Our teachings now saying He may not come for centuries. And so they have put away and out of mind the truth of His coming. We are seeing fulfilled right before our eyes the warning of Peter. The apostle, there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking according to their own lust and saying, where is the sign of his coming? Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of time. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Paul says more than once to Timothy, be sober, be sober, be sober. The end of the world is coming. Dear Lord, if it was coming 2,000 years ago, where are we tonight? Makes me wonder if he's coming for those who are not expecting him. He said, for those who look for him shall he appear the second time without sin under salvation. The crown of righteousness waiting for all who are looking, yearning, loving his appearance. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord is coming. Come on, there's not much time left. I'm going into his eternal presence forever, so what if I suffer a little? What if I'm not right? No matter what happens to the society, if you have ever uppermost in your mind that Jesus is coming at any moment, any hour, as he said he would, this is a motivation to holiness. It's a motivation to keeping focused on Jesus Christ, no matter what happens in your day and age. And we have a whole army of ministers in the pulpit today, preachers of peace, saying, relax. You're okay. I'm okay. Relax. And because iniquity shall abound, escalate like an avalanche, the literal word, like an avalanche, nothing can stop it. It just escalates more and more and nothing can stop it. Because iniquity and lawlessness, literally, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. The Greek the love of the most. You profess Christianity. 
who that's called God said. It's happening right now, sir. In case you don't see it. Because iniquity shall abound the love of many wax call. But he that endureth unto the end shall be saved. Shall be saved. Who then is a faithful and wise servant? Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. The Bible says he began to smite his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunken. Now this serpent is not eating and drinking Christ anymore. He's not into the Word. He's bored with the Word of God now. He doesn't want to hear anything about the coming of the Lord because it's going to ruin his lifestyle now. Because you see, the world is creeping in. The spirit of the age is creeping in. This man's thinking is changing completely. I've got all the time in the world. You know, a lot of Christians today are living for the devil and saying, well, uh, he's not coming right now anyhow, but if, if I get sick and before I die, I'll repent. Chances are you won't get that chance. Because only those who expect the coming of the Lord are feeding on Christ. What are you eating and drinking? Are you as much in love with Jesus this morning while I'm talking to you as you were a year ago? Are you as hungry for the Word of God? Or have you Jesus put, have you put Jesus on the backside of your mind? He's back here somewhere and you say, oh yeah, I believe him, I trust him, but you know, I've got all these things to do, I've got things in my life. And little by little, you eat and drink the other things of this world and you are, you are not Focus now on Jesus. You are not eating and drinking. And the only reason you would do that is because you really don't believe Jesus is coming soon. If you really believe Jesus is coming at any moment and you believe what he said, be ye ready. You see, when you're not eating and feasting on Christ, you don't expect his return. You turn to the world. You turn to its filth. time for us to love purity and stop loving the pollution that comes through the airwaves and television and radio and the smut that's being printed in magazines and books. We need to sober up and realize that God is active to save and by default he is also active to judge and that there are souls perishing. Eating and drinking with the drunken. It means that you're eating the same food, drinking the same food that's intoxicated the world. They are intoxicated now with sports and entertainment. And not one thought of spending an hour along with Jesus in the Word. There's an intoxication with sports in the United States that is absolutely demonic. There's nothing filthier than soap operas. Nothing. Nudity, filth, adultery, fornication. And I'm going to look you right in the eye and tell you that if you're sitting there when Jesus comes and you're watching that film, 
How do you expect to come out of that cesspool suddenly into the arms of Jesus? Come on now. How do you sit there and watch those talk shows that are nothing but slop from the very pits? Absolute filth. And you're going to feed on that? You're going to drink that drink? You're going to eat that food with the drunken and get intoxicated with this? This is life and death. If you think I'm putting on a show, then you're missing the whole point. What are you eating and drinking from that computer? Come on, what are you eating and drinking? And I say this for the young people especially. Ten years ago, I couldn't have preached this. This is where we're headed, folks. And I'm telling you, it's going to... You are going, if you are drinking and eating at the wrong table, if you start eating and drinking with the drunken, you will not make it. I say it again, you will not make it. Because Jesus says, the Bible says clearly evil men are going to wax worse and worse deceiving and being deceived. And you and I cannot sit here now. If, if we had the full vision... We would all be on our feet weeping, or on our knees and on our face, if we knew what's coming. To be in love with the appearing is to have a sense of reality. What do I mean by reality? The judgments of God that are here and that are coming upon the earth in mass. And then the eternal judgment of God, most Christians are not in touch with reality. They're not sober. There's moments and glimpses when we need God, but there's not a sense that the earth is pregnant with the judgments of God, that at the end of the age, the earth will experience the most ravaging judgments of God ever, and then there will be an eternal judgment. We don't think about these things. First of all, you must have in your home a renewed vision of the soon return of Jesus Christ. There has to be a cry in you so that your children hear it. Even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. So the church needs a sense of sobriety. That things are not going to continue on the way they are. And this has to be uppermost in your mind. If, if, if you don't have this truth burning and, and, and alive, a flame in your hearts, and oh Jesus, I believe that you can come at any moment. I want to be prepared. Oh God, by your Holy Spirit, enable me. Give me power to live for you. Hey, all, all that is in this life, thank God for family, thank God for friends, thank God for His blessings. But there's, this is not the real world. This is not the real world. We're going somewhere for eternity. This is just a little piece of eternity cut out called time and space to repent. A little time and space to, to, to prepare our hearts for the glory of God that awaits us. I'm not living for today. You're going to stand before me. It's appointed unto man once to die after this, the judgment. And folks, we're going to go to the judgment seat of Christ. We're going to stand before him as believers. Some of you are going to be damned. You're not going to be saved. The Lord's going to bind you hand and foot and cast into outer darkness for an eternity. And your hell is going to be so much more terrifying than the heathen. Because the Bible says, to whom much is given, much is expected. Sadly, some of you who can look at Brother Carter, you can look at me, you say, I love my pastors. 
I love these men. But you're still going to hell. You're going to die and go to hell. Because you have never fully yielded. You're still not... You don't even pick this up at home. You're not into it. You never get alone with him and seek him. You're not eating and drinking. Christ. You've not become that faithful, wise servant. You still speak doubt. You speak unbelief. If you loved him and you believe he's coming, you'll run to him. The Bible says absolutely the law is meant to bring you to such a state of helplessness and terror that you're driven to Christ and his mercy. And preaching like this is, is intended to become a law to you that exposes your laziness, exposes everything that's unlike Jesus in you to produce a holy terror that you would say, I will run to his mercy. His mercy is for those only who have already been convicted of their sins and admit I've sinned and, uh, and know that their sins are going to damn them. And once you know that, you run to Jesus and that's when his mercy is given to you. He floods you. That's when the peace, that's when the miracle happens. And that's why there's not much conviction in the church anymore. That's why people are not really turning to the Lord with all their heart because the law of the Lord has not been laid down as a mirror to convict them of their sins. There has to be conviction. And if you're here this morning and you're convicted, there's something turning and twisting in your heart. This wasn't to be cute this morning. This is to tell you if you've been sitting there drinking, smut, lay it down. I'm telling you, you're going to go to hell. Folks, this is not a game. It's your eternal soul. And I will not stand before my Maker. I'll not stand before my blessed Jesus. I tell you, I will not and have anybody's blood on my hands. When I stand there and you are there beside me, to let you know in all love I told you Sunday morning I preached about his coming I talked about that stuff you were drinking was going to damn you I prayed that you would turn I begged you I pleaded I did everything I used God's hair I used his law I used his mercy you don't pay me for this say oh brother Dave those, those are old fashioned older techniques from a century ago. No. I don't care what anybody calls it. I'm after your soul. I want you to pray this prayer with me right now. Jesus, I come to you to be cleansed, to be forgiven, and to be changed. I need a new mind. Oh, God. Forgive me for eating and drinking the wrong food and the wrong drink. Give me strength and a desire to feed on Christ and His Word, to pray and to seek the Lord with all my heart. Forgive me, Jesus, 
I know you're coming soon. I want to be ready. Touch me, forgive me, cleanse me, and give me this hope. Are you ready to meet him now? Lord, give us your word now and speak clearly to our hearts. Lord, we need you. We need to hear from heaven and we're trusting you now in Jesus' name. Amen. First Peter, fourth chapter. First Peter, the fourth chapter. Getting ready for the end of all things. First Peter, the fourth chapter. I'm going to read just a few verses uh, start in verse 7, please. First Peter 4, beginning of verse 7. But the end of all things is at hand. Now, that's pretty blunt. He gets up before his people, or, and in his letter he writes, the end has come. He says, and be therefore sober and watch unto prayer. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Thank you, Jesus. Now, uh, in Second Peter 1.14, he has just announced, the Lord has shown me that I'm going to die. The Lord has shown me that my time has come. And so he comes to the people now as a dying man. He comes as if to say, I'm soon going to be with my Heavenly Father. I'm soon going to be with Christ. So I'm going to give you my final word. He said, I want you to know the end of all things is at hand. It's right at hand. He said, well, that was written 2,000 years or so ago. But folks, if, if it were true then, it's all the more true now. It's the end of the very last of the last days. And he said... I'm going to tell you what God expects and what he wants of you. I'm going to tell you how to become secure. I'm going to tell you how to prepare for the end times. And you see, he says nothing about the economy. He says nothing about the loss of houses and lands. He says nothing about uh, where to put your money, nothing about safe havens. And he comes with this, and, and uh, I, I got a letter from somebody uh, read one of my prophetic books about how God's going to keep his people in the coming depression. And he said, I wrote to you, <clears throat> Pastor Dave, in good faith, and I believe that you're an honest, righteous man, and I ask you where I should put my money, uh, some safe place to put my money, because he said, really, if God's warning us, he wouldn't be a very good God if he didn't tell us how to survive. 
and he was trying to put me on the spot, and he said, I, I want to know. I don't want any theological uh, cop-out. He said, that's what you preachers do. You cop out and just say, go pray, because that's what I told him. Pray and get the mind of the Holy Ghost for yourself. And he, he said, I feel cheated. He, he said, I, I wanted to hear, certainly God would have a word. He would not warn us unless he gave us a way to survive. And I get letters like that. And already since I mentioned my topic, how to prepare for the end of all things, uh, some of you feel like, well, uh, Brother Dave, this, as soon as I announce this subject, well, Pastor Dave is going to give us some good advice on uh, where to put our money and help us get fixed for the hard times that have already started. And that, that's a good, honest question. We all ask those questions. But folks, uh, this is not going to make sense to you till we get to the last half of the message. And you'll see why Peter goes with this message. As he, he says, first of all, be sober. In other words, don't panic. That's his first advice. No matter what happens. And there's many Christians right now who are in panic. Who have, who have believed and testified all their lifetime that the Lord was their keeper. We sing Jehovah Jireh. We sing all these wonderful songs about how good God is and how he's going to keep us in the hard times. And it, there is a human nature in us that responds and we, we have to bring it under the word. We have to bring it under the control of faith. But he's saying, be sober, first of all. Be sober. And then secondly, he says, go to prayer. He said, you, you wonder why you're confused, you wonder why you're in turmoil, you wonder why you're in panic, and you're not sober in these times. And he's saying the worse it gets, the blacker the night, the more you're, you should be walking in soberness and the peace and the rest of the Holy Ghost. That's what he says, as hard as that sounds, that is, that's what I'm telling you God told me before he takes me home. I'm telling the church of Jesus Christ in my day and in the days to come. There are going to be hard and difficult times. And Peter describes those times. Mockers and scoffers are going to come. There are going to be those preaching deception in our churches. There are going to be preachers of covetousness and materialism. He goes on to describe all of those things that are coming. And he says, don't panic. Be at peace about it. And then he says, go to prayer. And folks, that... There, that's where I go. Every time fear tries to rise in my spirit, every time there's another news report that seems to just uh, uh, be overwhelming, I go to the Lord. I go to my knees. And that's the answer to all the stress problems. I just saw in the Wall Street Journal yesterday that all over Wall Street now, they have a whole hour, and, and many of the corporate leaders are are into yoga and in, into Chinese mantras and they're trying to calm their stress. And it, in some offices now it's mandatory that you go and take yoga so that you can uh, calm yourself. Well, folks, we have a Savior. We have a promise. And... We are going to be a testimony that we know how to handle stress. We've got a little room we go into. It's called the secret closet. Tell that to the world. Here, here's the world, here's the world uh, looking at crystals, hoping beings will come out of those crystals. 
and, and there are people doing yoga and quoting uh, Chinese mantras that they don't know what means. Um, <laughs> then, then you tell them you've got a secret closet where you go and you come out strong, and they're going to say, you're crazy. You're stupid. What do you mean a secret closet? Well, what do you know about yoga? I've, I've got somebody that takes all my stress away. King of Kings. I meet him right in that You mean you meet God? Yes. We meet God in the secret closet of prayer. And then he, he goes on. He, he said in verse 8, And above all things, above all things, above all preparations, above everything you think about how to survive in the end times. He said, I'm going to give you word, and this, this is the issue. And you have to deal with this. And, and this is mind-boggling at first. He, he, he says, above all things, have fervent, on fire, mercy and love for your brothers and sisters. He said, what he's saying, you're not, if you want to really know what survival is about, if you know where God is taking his people, you have to have this unconditional love for your brothers and sisters, where race has no, uh, there's, there's no barrier in race. No until this church has over 100 nationalities of all colors and all nations. And I want you to know this church is under attack for that very reason. Many times it would not be under attack if it were just all white or all black or all Hispanic. There are churches like that, and thank God for them. But this is a special thing that God is doing here in New York City and has done. A hundred or more nationalities loving one another without racial prejudice. And, and this is what the apostle says, Peter says, this is the issue now. That there is a love. There's a, out, out in the front, it says, uh, Times Square Church, the church that love is building. It doesn't say the church that loves its building. It says the church that love is building. Hallelujah. He, he, he says, the reason for this is because this kind of love covers a multitude of sins. It covers a multitude of sins. Now, here's the issue. And I want you to listen very, very closely. Paul said, if you want to be ready for what God is going to do, because I'm going to show in just a minute that in the end times, and I've already told you, I gave away my secret before I started to preach. There's coming a latter rain of the Holy Spirit. We're going, to, we're going to go into that. and This is where, Paul, this is where Peter's going. This is where he's going with this message. What he's saying, what God's about to do cannot happen. It will be hindered unless these things are dealt with in the body of Jesus Christ. Anything of prejudice, any member of the body of Christ. Now, we can't forgive those who sin against God. We can't forgive those sins. We can't cover those sins. But, but he said, I can't move. The Holy Spirit is, is, is going to come in a great rain upon this earth. He said, it can't happen in a church. It can't happen among a people where there are those that are holding grudges, when there are those who say they love one another, 
but they can come and they can worship. They, can, they, they, they say, I'm a part of the body of Jesus Christ here. And, and yet they come week after week, week after week, and they have not forgiven. They've not forgiven somebody who hurt or wounded them. They've not, hurt, they've, they've not resolved this issue. It just stays there day after day and week after week. And, and the Bible says we're not only to forgive, but we're to cover the sins of those who sinned against us. Now, it may have been a wife or husband, a divorce situation. It could have been a, a church, a, a whole group that wounded you and hurt you. It could be an individual or a group of individuals. It could be a husband, a wife. It could be family. And there are those sitting in this church now, and I say it with love and, and compassion I'm telling you, this will hinder what God is going to do in the church. It's going to hinder what he wants to do in your life and in your home. This has to be dealt with. Is there anyone that you, you have a difficult time forgiving? You say, well, I've forgiven, but I can't forget. Well, then you haven't forgiven. The Bible says, and, and this love that God expects of us is so vast and so all-encompassing. He said, now, you not only forgive, but you do everything you can to cover their sin. Don't broadcast. And this is what happens. Somebody grieves us, someone wounds us, someone rejects us, and we tell it everywhere. We get on the phone. I just have to get this off my heart. You'll never know what they did to me, and we name names, and we, we name places, and we go, we go down deep into this pit, and then we say, I, I'm only telling you this so you can pray with me. I'm only telling you this because I'm concerned about them, and they may lose the touch of God for what they did to me. You should be more concerned about whether you lose the touch of God because you didn't cover the sin. I can cover anyone who sins against me. I have that authority. I have, in fact, I'm commanded to do just that. And that's what the Apostle Peter is saying. This love, you want to be ready for all things? You want to be ready for the coming of the Lord? You want to be ready when the bottom drops out of everything? You want to be ready? Make sure that you have nothing hindering the flow of the Holy Spirit. There's something wonderful coming. I don't want to be left out. If you have wounded me, and I don't know about it, if you talked about my, me behind my back, and, and you wounded me, I, I, I'm glad I don't know, but I forgive you. I, don't, I, don't, I can't name a grudge I have against anybody because I know what happens. I know I lose the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and I know that, that I have... I have roadblocks. I've got stumbling block in my life. You should be able to sit in this church today and, and, and go over in your memory of, of that thing that is in your heart. And some of you are visiting here. God's speaking to you too. Who is it? Who is it that you have such a hard time getting that out of your system? You, I just can't. I talked to a pastor recently. A group of ministers really hurt him and uh, I was aware of the situation, hurt him deeply. And I, I talked to him. He said, you know, Brother Dave, I, I've been preaching for years, but I just can't forgive him. I can't do it. 
And he said, my wife will never forgive. And she was in deep bitterness. This, this, he said, you want to be ready? There's a context here in which, a wide context that Peter's talking about. He, he's seeing something coming and he wants the church to be ready. Now, if, if all, all you want is for God to give you food and shelter, now, as a father, I want that for my children and grandchildren, and, and, and I want him to provide all my physical needs. He's promised to do that. You see, Peter didn't go there. He didn't go there about advice on, on physical preparations. He didn't go there because, you see, he knew poverty. He knew what it's like to not have a, a cent, a shekel in his pocket because the only money he had at times was came out of a fish's mouth. This man had one change of clothes. He had one pair of sandals. This, this man had proven God's faithfulness, so that wasn't an issue with him. That, that, he can't even imagine Christians not believing that the Lord would provide. I've been down that way. He said, this is the preparation I want you to talk about. I, I want you to focus on. There's an issue here. I, I, I want you to look into your heart. And I, 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 you're to love even your enemies, the scripture says. You know, Jesus didn't give advice on how to repair physically other than in Jerusalem. He said, when you see the armies coming, flee from Jerusalem. You don't find him that. He, he says, don't give any thought about tomorrow because it's going to take care of itself. I'm going to take care of you. Don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, or what, how you're going to be clothed. Don't give it any thought. You won't find Jesus going there. You won't find Peter going there. You don't, the Apostle Paul doesn't go there. They had proven God. And you have proven God already. You have proven God faithful up to this hour. He's never failed you yet. He's brought you out of every situation. He's taken care of you financially. You are not in poverty. You have a roof over your head. You have food on your table. And He's going to see you through. All right, I want to go... into this matter of the Spirit coming down. And this is, this, this is the context in which Peter is speaking now. He said, there's a great rain coming. You'll find that uh, all through this New Testament, you find it in the prophets especially. There's a prophecy in the Old Testament that there's, coming, there's been a former rain and there's a latter rain. The Bible talks about two rains. And, and Moses told Israel, he, he said, there can be no harvest unless there's a latter rain. The first rain, the early rain, came in the spring. And it watered the seed and the blade and the grass or, or, or the forming of it. But he said that it comes uh, before the harvest, before the full grain of corn, there has to be another rain. It's called the latter rain. Now, years ago, there was a... Uh, uh, Pentecostal movement called themselves the latter rain. Now, some say they got in. I don't know all the circumstances or the, <clears throat> the history of that movement. And they said it went into error. But they, they, they had a truth. They had something from the heart of God. And I believe he's going to restore this truth to the church of Jesus Christ. Moses said 
there's an early rain, but there can be no harvest until there's a latter rain. Here's, here's the scripture. He will give you the rain in your land in due season, the first and the latter rain, so you may gather in the corn, the wine, and the oil. He said, you'll have, you're going to have a rain that ripens the harvest. And beloved, the early rain came at Pentecost in the upper room. That was the rain that watered the seed of the Word, that, that watered the message of Jesus Christ, and it began to grow and spread. But now, folks, in the last days, when the world is trembling and gross darkness covers the world, there is no way Jesus would come without. Now, He can come at any moment, but He promises there will be a latter rain. And He says, ask Rain in the time of the latter rain. We're to ask rain, the prophet said. You're to believe God and ask Him and believe that this latter rain is promised in the Scripture and that it's to come. The prophet Zechariah saw the outpouring of the Spirit in the last days. He said, Ask ye the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain, and the Lord shall make bright clouds, and He will give you showers of rain, and every one shall have grass in their field. Everyone shall have grass. There's going to be a harvest. He said the field is going to be ripe. Jesus said they're white unto harvest. Now Satan knows this. He knows what is written in the Scripture. He knows that there's a tremendous, incredible outpouring of the Holy Spirit before the harvest. And he's going to come against the church of Jesus Christ knowing what is coming he saw what happened in the early rain. He saw the, the growth of the church around the world, every kindred and every tongue and every nation. And uh, he saw the power of the Holy Spirit. He saw what happens when the Holy Spirit comes down. And so, in the latter rain, Satan knows what is about to happen. Folks, there, there, there's, there's no way that the Lord is going to take His church out of this world limping and broken and fearful and just broken in spirit and mind and soul. No, 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 no. He's not coming and allow Islam to take over the harvest. He's not going to let anybody. The harvest is His. The harvest, the Bible said, is the end of the world. And we've come to the end of things. We've come the beginning of the end. Now, I don't know how many years. I don't, I'm not going to go to the prophet, prophetic times. I don't know that much about what happens after Jesus comes. I've, I've not been a scholar in that at all. But I know from what I'm reading in the Scriptures, and the more I read, the more my faith rises, there is a coming outpouring of the Holy Spirit beyond Pentecost beyond what happened in the upper room. But you see, Peter knew what had to happen. In early day Pentecost, they had what they call waiting on the Lord. They, in the upper room, they waited on the Lord. Now, they weren't waiting just for a calendar date. Pentecost was fully come. But God was doing something. He's doing just what Peter's talking about. There had to be forgiveness. Peter had to be forgiven. 
because he wounded the body of Christ. He wounded every one of them. And, and there had to be an outflow of love in that upper room. And God's dealing with things. Peter could not stand up there and be anointed of the Holy Ghost. He can't stand there if people later, some of the apostles, uh, and there's James and John who, who had boasted they were better than the other disciples and had this pride and they're sitting there. They have to be cleansed. They have to be forgiven by the body of Jesus Christ. And their sins have to be covered. They have to be able, those men have to be able to look at Peter later when the Holy Spirit gives him the authority and he preaches what the Pentecost is all about. And there can't be something in their heart with who made you the leader? Who made you the pastor? Who made you, who gave you this special anointing? No, they sat back. They didn't care who got the honor. They knew the Holy Ghost was there and they were covering. Nobody dare speak against Peter because Peter is safe now in the house of God. He's among people who don't blab what Peter did. Nobody's talking about it in this upper room. They're talking about the Holy Ghost and they're getting free because they're loving, they're forgiving, and they're covering. Do you understand where Peter's going? He said there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And he comes only to those who are prepared. They were prepared in the upper room. Oh, folks, I still believe on waiting on the Lord. Yes, the Holy Ghost was given, but there's something about waiting in the presence of the Lord where he's allowed to deal with these issues in our heart. And so we can have this forgiveness and we, we, we can have this strength and power. It takes power to forgive. It takes even more power and grace to cover somebody's sin after they've wounded or rejected or hurt you. And God wants to pour out His Spirit in this church as we have never known or seen. He, he wants to save multitudes. And he's going to do that. But first, he's coming to purge his body. He's coming to cleanse. And he's not doing it with a rod or a whip in his hand. He's doing it through brokenness and a humble word, a, a compassionate call. Don't let anything hinder the glory of the Lord that's coming. Don't let anything hinder the moving of the Holy Spirit in your family. Don't let anything, don't, don't be a hindrance to the work of God and what He wants to do. Oh, if, if you belong, if, if you worship here at Times Square Church and you feel this is your church home, God help us all. Help me, help every pastor, help everyone in the choir and orchestra and everybody in this body to be able to walk through these doors and sit here and raise your hands and worship Him and you know there's nothing there between you and the Lord. There's no hindrance that your heart is open. And if, you, if you've been sinning, if you failed God, you come to the blood of Jesus Christ. Folks, the blood has never lost its power. And I have to believe that He will give us through the power of His blood. It, the cross is not in vain. It's not been in vain. If there is not a, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in these last days... Why was there an early Pentecost? Why was there an early rain? And look at all these, all of these many years since the first outpouring, the early rain. Do you mean to tell me that the Lord, when we need the Holy Ghost the most, when we need the Holy Ghost to survive daily, when we need the power of the Holy Ghost to be His witness, 
When, when everything is shaking and the darkness is here, we have got to have an anchor. We, the Holy Spirit comes to reveal Christ. He comes to dig deep into our spirits to make us vessels made worthy through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And what Zechariah said is, wake up church, the Holy Spirit and the glory is going to fall upon nations. So many people feel helpless. But folks, this, this can't be worked up. This is a prophetic word and you have to allow and ask the Holy Spirit to increase your faith to believe and stand on His Word. Haggai stands before a discouraged people. They're, they're remembering the glory of the old temple. The old tabernacle is gone. And now God is doing a new work. And they're, they're building a temple now that seems so insignificant to what God did in the past. And, and they're standing, they're weeping in the prophet Haggai I think it's in a chapter. He says, uh, I see you looking at what God is doing here now. He said, some of you lived then. who was 60 to 70 years apart. And some of them are still living. And when they were young, they saw the glory of that first work of God. What a great work God did back then. You hear that a lot about the revivals of the past, what God did back then. And all the glory we had and all the wonderful meetings we had and people got saved and we carried half the night and, and that's wonderful. Thank God. Thank God. I have those wonderful memories hidden in my heart. And the prophet looked at these people downcast and, and looking at that and, and, and he, he says, who's left among you that saw the house in its first glory? And how do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes in comparison as if it's nothing? Do you understand what this is saying? Some of us who walk with God for years, we remember the movings of the Holy Spirit, remember the great things God did. But the prophet Haggai says, now look at now, you're discouraged and you 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 think that this is nothing and that, that we are you're, we're just waning in zeal. The, there's no glory left. And, and we, we've been overwhelmed, overwhelmed with the darkness. We've been so overwhelmed with what is happening. We get overwhelmed at the fury of the devil. We get overwhelmed of the homosexual uh, militancy and, and, and our courts making laws that we don't agree with and never asked for, never voted for. And we, we get overwhelmed with the fury of Satan among us. We get overwhelmed with the darkness, overwhelmed with the thought we've sinned away our day of grace, overwhelmed with fears and doubts, and that's what happened. They're saying, in their minds they're saying, well, this is nothing. We have nothing to rejoice about. God's not doing anything. This is so insignificant. Oh, Haggai says, fear not. And God said this in Haggai 2.5, my spirit remains among you. My spirit is still at work. 
And then he turns to the people and says, I'm telling you, the glory of this house is going to be greater than the first house. The rain that's coming is greater than the early rain. There's a latter rain. So take away that frown. Lift up holy hands because the rain is coming. And God's Spirit is moving. And I'm not going to let the devil let me be downcast. I don't want my eyes on, on what God is doing to say it's so insignificant. America has not sinned away its day of grace. The world has not sinned away its day of grace. The revival is just begun. The rain is beginning to fall. Hallelujah. I got so excited last night because I was reading in the book of Revelation. He said, first the blade, then the ear, and then the full corn of the ear. See, everything's ripening now. And the scripture says in Revelation fourteen fifteen, thrust in the sickle. And begin to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. And then I, I went on and I read this in Revelation 14:14, 14, 14, the verse prior to what I've just read to you. And I, I got so excited, I, I went into the bedroom. Gwen was retiring. I'd been in my study last night. And I said, Gwen, I'm, I am shouting inside. And I walked back and forth in our apartment down the street. Behold, he comes in a cloud. A crown on his head and a sickle in his hand. What's a sickle? It's that long harvesting thing, got a big sharp blade on it where you just mow down the harvest. And the Bible says of our Christ, hallelujah, he's not there just hoping the saints will hold on. He's not there surprised at the darkness. Behold, he comes in a white cloud. Say it with me. A crown on his head and a sickle in his hand. That makes me want to jump. A crown on his head. Say it. A crown on his head and a sickle in his hand. Folks, it's harvest time on Wall Street, in the Bowery, uptown, downtown, New Jersey, and all over this nation and around the world. Glory to God. It's harvest time. It's beginning to rain. Hallelujah. Do you believe that? Yeah. Will you stand? Do you see what Peter's saying now, folks? Remove everything that hinders because the glory is coming. Like you've never seen or know or experienced the glory of the Lord. And you know what that glory is? The manifest presence of Jesus Christ. We will know His presence as we've never known it. 
we will know him as we've never known him. And people are going to be open to the gospel. He's going to melt hard hearts. And many others he's going to bring through calamity. Where they have no place to turn but to God. And we will be ready with a message of hope and not despair. Now, in prayer, I asked the Holy Spirit how I was to close this service. And it's simply this. The Holy Spirit made known to me, I don't know how many, but in the overflow balcony here in the main auditorium, there's some of you here that have a hindrance. This thing has become, uh, has a stranglehold on you. It's a root of bitterness, a root. And that root has to come out. And it's dug in and you, you don't want it anymore. You want to be free of this. You've carried it long enough. And I believe God hears when we pray, if we agree together, two or three agree together concerning anything on earth, it shall be done of the Father in heaven. And I want to pray with you. I want God to remove that hindrance, but you have to want it. You have to humble yourself. That's right. Humble yourself. You're not caring what anybody says or thinking. There has to be something rising up here that says, I want to walk out of this church today free. I want to walk out of this church without this chain on me. Without this burden. You, you have felt and seen the agony. And if you don't forgive, it's going to come around. And whatever you did comes back in like manner in another way. And you face it again and again. Face it now. And let the Holy Spirit bring you to a place of victory and free you. And you'll know a freedom and a joy like you haven't experienced in a long time. Uh, Greg ministered to us for a moment in song, and I want you to just step out. If you don't know Christ, you can come now, and He'll come and reveal Himself to your heart and change your life. If you've been drifting away from Christ, if you're backslidden to your heart, follow these that are coming. And the balcony up there, just go down the stairs on either side and come down these aisles. And main turn, come. Just humble yourself and say, Pastor Dave, I want you to pray for me. I want freedom. I don't want to carry this burden any longer. I know that takes a lot of grace. But it's that important. It's life and death. That's it. Just all of these that are coming. Help me to know that you are near. Do you know that He's near you right now? Do you know He said, My Spirit is with you. The Holy Spirit hasn't left you. The Holy Spirit brought you down to the aisle to the front of this church for prayer. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. You begin there thanking the Lord for that. Thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for loving me and dealing with my heart. And look this way for just a minute. You took a humble step, boldly to step out and acknowledge your need. Now, you're among friends. You're safe in this house. Nobody's 
wondering what your problem is or who you have a struggle with. Nobody's thinking that. They're just anxious for you to come through to victory, come through to peace with God. Will you pray this prayer with me before I pray with you? Lord Jesus, I do humble myself and come to you for forgiveness. Lord, I have a problem. I have this root in me. I'm asking you to pluck it out. I'm asking you to forgive me and help me to forgive and cover the sins of all those who have hurt me. Lord Jesus, I want to be free. I want to be free right now. So I cast this in your feet. I give it to you. Cleanse me. In Jesus' name, I receive healing of every hurt and every root to be plucked out. Now let me pray for you. Lord, I know you hear when we pray. I know you hear when we cry out to you in our need. And I pray, Lord, that you do that by your spirit right now. Just move in and among us. He said, I'm among you. I, I, I am with you. He said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And Lord, we come fearlessly now. We come boldly to the throne of grace. We ask you, Lord, to help us to face this and say, I don't want it anymore. I don't want anything unlike Christ in me. I want to be free. I want the glory of Christ in my life. I want the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I need a new baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I, I, I need this from you now, Jesus. We need to hear from you. Cleanse and sanctify. Change us, God, by your Spirit. Holy Spirit, you have come down and you are breathing on this church and you're breathing throughout the land. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, just raise a hand or both hands to the Lord. And say, I believe. I believe, Lord, right from your heart. I believe you, Lord, for cleansing and healing. Nothing between my soul and my Savior. Nothing between. Hallelujah. Now, you can be free right now if you receive by faith the word of the Lord. You can be free. Beloved, we are... With this, I close. We are delivered. We're set free by the word of the Lord. Accepted and believed by faith. If this is your church, and if, if, this not, if you're visiting from another country, if you're visiting from another church. With everything you need to get pure distilled water, go to superstore.theamericanvoice.com. That's Superstore.TheAmericanVoice.com Order now. Welcome to the Messiah's Branch Broadcast, a one-hour promise program on the American Voice Radio Network. Featuring Pastor Dan of the Messiah's Branch Ministry. And now, here's Pastor Dan. And welcome to the Messiah's Branch Prophecy Hour. We're broadcasting live from the Foothills, Kansas, and we're on the American Voice Radio Network. Today's date is January 28, 2010. 
And tonight, before I say anything else, um, this Sabbath, I am having the ultimate pleasure of my daughter, my adopted daughter, getting married. Um, it's all a miracle story, but praise the Lord. So um, I want to say congratulations to Serena Kay tonight, and be blessed. Anyway, um, now that my joy is over with, I better get on with the other stuff, all right? Okay, anyway, please remember, saints, that our mission church only survives through your kind gifts. You know, these aren't just words I'm saying. We do really need your prayers and continued support. Donations are being uh, are just so low this time of year, and I think it could be due to several things, and I don't want to down anybody for donating elsewhere, but we all know that there's disasters going on across the world. But we have a disaster right here with the homeless and poor. These people, a lot of them are not, well, none of them are throwaway people, but a lot of them are victims of this terrible economy. Anyway, and we need your support to keep spreading the gospel. What better thing is that? And to continue helping them with food, clothing, first aid, and so on and so forth. You all know what I do. These are not, again, they're not throwaway people. And we're not asking you to break the, break the bank for them, but we really do need your support. So please lift the Mission Church in Wichita up to prayer tonight and see if you're led to help. We don't want anything the Father doesn't want us to have, so please lift it up to prayer first, okay? Um, you can donate online by our PayPal or find our mailing address at our website, which is simply messiahsbranch.org, messiahsbranch.org. And we're trying to keep you informed as, you know, people think life's just going on just as normal. And guess what, folks? It's not normal. These earthquakes and things you're seeing, this is not normal, and they're coming more and more. I think the small one just hit Chicago the other day. But saints, the world is in great turmoil. Most don't realize it, but we are in that time of the end, the time before Messiah's glorious return. So it's time to come out of Babylon, the world, and look to the holy city. Look to that one who suffered and died for you. Make this choice tonight. You don't have a lot of time. So if you need help after the program, call me, and I'll pray for you or with you. If you get the machine, please leave your name, your number, your prayer request, or message. The phone number, of course, is 620-878-4682, 620-878-4682, or you can send me an email, and I'll get back with you if the phones are busy. Anyway, phones, not phones. I don't have more than one. Anyway, so now for a prayer, and we'll get on with the guest. I think you're really going to enjoy this program tonight. Now for a prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in Yeshua HaMashiach's name I pray. Father God, I just ask that what comes out on this program is what you want to come out. And not what our guest wants or I want, but what you want to come out. And I really thank you so much for our time with the world this week. And I do mean that, Father. And amen and amen. Well, you know, saints, there are many different views of the Antichrist out there and the mark of the beast. Tonight, we will speak with a guest who has one that I've not really heard before, but I think uh, from what I've read about it, well, I'll just let you make the choice. So tonight, you get to be the judge, as many of you and myself, this will be the first time we've ever heard this information. So let's get our guest. He's here to talk with us about DNA of the Mark of the Beast. Our guest is the founder of the Prosopolis. Prophecy Club, sorry about that. The Prophecy Club is my friend, uh, welcome, Apostle Stan Johnson. Are you there with me, Stan? I am, and I'm glad to be here. Well, praise the Lord, I'm sure glad to have you. And I'm sure anxious about this information. You told me just a little bit about it, enough to make me want more, and I think it's something that the people really need to hear. Well, I can tell you, I 
<laughs> just spoke about an hour of the two and a half hours that I have on the DVD last Friday night in Portland to about 90 people, and they were floored. I mean, the next day, all day long, they kept coming up to me and telling me just how much they really, really liked what I had to say. And matter of fact, one of them said, "Damn, where is your brain to come up with this? I mean, how could you put this together? <laughs> You know, it's a prophecy brain. What can I say? (laughs) Right. Amen. Well, you know, I see more and more new stuff every time I open my Bible, but um, I don't think I've heard this before, but praise the Lord. I know you're going to tell us about it. Okay. Well, I've got so much to cover. Again, I'm going to try to cram the best of the two and a half hours that I put in this DVD called DNA and the Mark of the Beast. I'm going to try to give you as much of that as I possibly can. So let me get rolling. Now, I talked a little bit about uh, aliens and B and things like that, I know, on one of your other programs. Mm-hmm. But this is going to be a different side of the dice. Uh, it's going to be on the same dice, so we're going to be talking similar, but it's going to go way beyond what I talked about the other night. Well, anyway. Anyway. Okay, it starts with Revelation 13:15, and this is talking about when the people of the earth, and the Bible makes it very plain, that the people of the earth make an image. And it says, and he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, and that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. Now, this is a man-made image that speaks and issues orders. Now, I can't prove this next thing, but I suspect it's going to be something like what we saw in the Time Machine movie, in the new version that was based upon the old book by H.G. Wells. And in this particular movie theater, by the way, many times Hollywood does prophesy. But it prophesies, it is, it's fiction based upon fact. Right. And they do foretell the future. And I'm going to talk more about that in a minute, so I'll just leave that there. I'll come back to that. But anyway, um, my suspicion is that the image of the beast is going to be a combination of half-man, half-fallen angel, and it will probably be somehow linked in to all computers and all known knowledge of the universe. And that way, everybody's going to listen to this thing, and he's going to tell, because Revelation 13, 17 says that the image speaks and causes as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And in other words, if you don't get the image of the beast, you're going to be killed. But is there another side to that? What if you do get the image of the beast? Now, here's where I'm going with that. You see, it's a very nice stick and carrot. Okay, you understand the stick is when you hold a stick with a carrot on the front of it, uh, out in front of the the donkey, or the mule, and then the mule chases the carrot, and you're able to get the donkey to go. On the other hand, if the donkey doesn't respond to to the carrot, then you use a stick on his behind. Okay, in other words, if he does what you want, he gets the carrot. If he doesn't do what he wants, then he gets the stick. Well, you see, God has a stick and a carrot, too. And the stick is, if you don't accept Jesus, you're going to burn in hell forever. The carrot is, if you do, then you get eternal life and you live in paradise for all eternity. Which, hey, I mean, okay, I mean, if you imagine the minister standing up in front of a group of unsaved people, and he says, all right. I'm going to put it to you this way. If you accept Jesus, you get to live forever. You get a glorified body. You never hurt hunger again. You never hurt again. You never thirst again. You live for all eternity. And if you don't, you burn in hell. 
And all of the people says, okay, <laughs> that's a pretty tough decision. Okay, let me think for a minute. Uh, okay, I guess I'll live forever in paradise. Yeah, amen. Okay. <laughs> well, to see, the devil doesn't have that stick and carrot, and I believe that I'm going to show you some very realistic reasons why he may be trying to give that stick and carrot to people that take the mark of the beast. You see, inferred in that verse says that if they don't take the image of the beast, they're killed. Well, what's right. the flip side of that? If they do take the image of the beast, could it be, and here's where I'm going with this, could it be that he offers them an injection that will at least tell them, it won't be able to deliver it, but tell them that if they take the mark of the beast, they get this injection and they live forever. Now, let's move on to the next point. I'm going to come back to that and see if I can prove that in tonight's program. All right. I'll expect that. Matthew 24, verse 37 says, But as the days of Noah were, so also shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Okay, well, what were the days of Noah? Well, we look at Genesis 6, verses 1 through 13. And it says, came to pass when men began to multiply in the face of the earth, daughters were born unto them, and the sons of God, now I think that's the aliens that fly around in your anti-gravity flying saucers, the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, I agree, the ladies are really good looking, and they took them wives, all of they chose. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not always drive with man, for he is also flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. Well, I'm... Hold on, time out. What does that 120 years mean? Does that mean that man's going to live 120 years? Well, we don't live 120 years today. And before the flood, they didn't live 120 years then. And no. then, before the flood, they lived five, six, seven. I mean, that Methuselah lived 969 years. So what's that 120 years? Well, we believe, if you look at that word in the Hebrew, it says jubilee. And wouldn't you believe it? that we are now living in the 120th Jubilee. In other words, we are the last day, or we are the last day's people. We are living in the last days. And when I was talking about as in the days of Noah, we're in the last days. Now, let's go on to the next verse. It says, there were giants in the earth. In other words, when these sons of God mated with the daughters of men, their offspring became giants. Giants and years in those days, and after that, when the sons of God came in into the daughters of men and bare children of them, the same became mighty men, which were of old, we're going to look at that word, men of renown. That word in the Hebrew for old is olam, O-W-L-A-M, and it means the vanishing point, eternity, or always. In other words, when the sons of God mated with the daughters of men, they weren't dying. They were not only living, but they were giants. They were giants, and they were living forever. In other words, they did not inherit the curse of Adam. Right. Now, hang on to that thought. We're going to come back to that. Now, let's continue. Oh, well, okay. It, it goes on to say, and, and God saw the wickedness of man in the earth, and the every imagination of thoughts of his heart were evil continually. He repeated, repented man, and he made man on the earth, grieved in his heart. The Lord said, I'll destroy man. I've created from the face of the earth both man, beast, and creeping things, vows be here for repenting, that he made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. All right, now let's look at that word generations. In the Hebrew, that word is tolida, which means descent or family history. In other words, referring to a genetic code. In other words, you see, Noah wasn't just selected. 
because he was just man. He was selected, him and his family, to live on the ark, to survive, because his genetic code had not been messed up. How do you know that, man? Well, let, let, let me move on. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> okay, because I'm cramming, I'm cramming. I've got a lot to say. Yeah, I can okay, tell. Go good. ahead. Okay, the earth was also corrupt. Big word. Let's look at it. It says, corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, and all flesh had corrupted its way upon the earth. All right, now, that word corrupt, it just said it was three times corrupt, but it only mentioned evil once, or violence once. So we look up the Hebrew word for corrupt there, and it's shakath, meaning decay or ruin. In other words, I believe what it's saying is that the DNA code, the genetic code of the men of the earth were messed up. Now, this may be where we get the so-called myths of the mermaid, half man, half fish, the centaur, half man, half horse. Maybe, oh, I agree with just that. maybe, maybe they weren't just myths. In other words, maybe the sons of God, when they came down and made it with the daughters of men, also began to corrupt the creation of God changing the DNA, and that's the reason God had to destroy everything that had breath in its nostrils yeah. to destroy the bad seed or the bad corrupted seed. Now, are we doing anything today that says that as in the days of Noah, so also shall it be in the coming of some man? Are we playing with any genetic codes today? That's a funny question. Well, uh, let's go of on. Of course we are. <laughs> yeah, absolutely we are. Okay. Now, let's go on to another verse, Daniel 2, 43. Whereas thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men. Okay, isn't that what we are doing right now with, with Dolly, the sheep, where we're trying to make half man, half sheep, half man, half monkey, and we're playing with all the genetic code? Uh I mean, in my opinion, I believe that is exactly what we're doing. Now, let me tell you about a mystery phone caller I got. Back in the early days of Prophecy Club, Prophecy Club started in June of 93, and this was probably around 94. I had been playing some stuff on the radio about UFOs and aliens and things like that. Mm -hmm. And this guy calls the office, and he says, look, I used to be really high up in the government, and I am going to answer your questions. I'm not going to tell you anything, but I'll answer, answer your question. He said, now, I have a little laser pen. He said, runs off two pinlight batteries like all the rest of them. Only this one is much more powerful. And if I point this at you, it'll blow your eyes out, and you'll have permanent blindness. They know I have it, and they don't mess with me. And I said, he says, right, so I'll tell, I won't tell you anything, but I'll answer your question. I said, all right, fine. I said, Let's go to Area 51. He said, yeah, I've been all through it. I said, they got aliens there? He said, some alive, some dead. I said, what about anti-gravity flying saucers? He said, yeah, some from other worlds, some our government has made. What do you want to know? And he said, wait a minute. He said, you you got to stand. He said, you don't know anything until it's at least 25 years old. He said, for out of this place, there is no such thing as leaks. He said, they killed the leaf. He said, so in, in their secret underground labs, they progress at the rate of about three years to every one public year. 
They have unlimited funding. They have the very best minds of the world in these, and they are working studiously towards certain goals. Right. And he said, see, you don't know anything until it's at least 25 years old. I said, okay, tell me something that's old technology, old news, but we haven't heard about it here on the surface yet. He said, okay. He said, successful human head transplant. Oh, my goodness. He said, old technology. I said, okay, then let's get to the bottom of the barrel. I said, what's the deepest, darkest secret? What's the thing that they don't want anyone to know? Well, let's hear it. <laughs> you're holding I'll me on like <laughs> I don't want to go. Come on. Here's what he said. He said, creation. You see, that's right out of Daniel, to give life. I said, what do you mean? He said, they are working on creating life from beginning. Well, see, brothers and sisters, that is right out of Genesis 6, verse uh, 4, where the sons of God came down, made with the daughters of men. They mingled their seed. They started making centaurs. And uh, yeah, amen. what are we trying to do right now? We're trying to come up with a super soldier. And we're about to talk about that. So their deepest, darkest secret is they want to create. All right, now, let me pull some articles uh, from the newspapers here right quick. Uh, this one, headline, scientists want debate on animals with human genes. Now, what the debate is, they want permission to begin to experiment uh, humans and animals connecting their DNA together. That's what they're really saying in this article. Next article, scientists halt brain disease with new gene therapy talking about how you can insert a working gene to replace a faulty one. As you remember in the movie Jurassic Park, well, how did the science fill in the missing DNA link? They pulled it from a frog. You see, that's what they really want to do. Here's another article from Popular Photography. I'm reading part of it. A new gene, a new gene therapy has created both more muscle and stronger muscle in the legs of test monkeys. The altered gene controls expression of a protein that blocks the action of a chemical that naturally degrades muscle mass. The new genes were injected directly into the monkey's legs, and voila, it took effect locally. What did it do? Well, try to imagine, how would you like to have a $3 billion super soldier? Well, I'm looking at the DARPA Advanced Research Project Agency website. And their goals are stated on their website. They want to, quote, meld man and machine. They want a super soldier that can run at top speed for hours. Gene therapy could produce a cheetah or gorilla strength muscles. In other words, ten times as strong as we are now. They want to have regeneration. That means instant healing, faster healing, and better uh, immunity. Um, just a second here. Didn't you say yeah, something about Hollywood? I mean, Hollywood's already did these things. You know what I mean? That instant healing thing. In fact, that was just uh, on that one movie. Uh, oh, you know where the guy came uh, from outer space? You know, I don't know. But anyway, yeah. Actually, I'm, I've got some. I'm about to talk about that. Oh, okay. Uh, you're, you're on page three. I'm on page two. I'll get there just a second. Okay. I'll put it together here. Boy, okay. Next up. The next article says, Immortality Enzyme Wins Nobel Prize for Medicine. You heard about this about four or five uh, months ago. 
Right. It says researchers investigating an enzyme which permits unlimited cell replication have received the Nobel Prize for Medicine. The name of it is called Tello. Let me say it again. Telomerase. Now, I thought that was interesting that the word erase is in that word. Telomerase. Enzyme affects, controls cells which govern cell replication. And it goes on to say how telomerase and its descendant products will be part of what finally puts, listen to this, listen to this, this is very important, finally puts an end to cancer. I'm going to put it together in just a second. It goes on to say, whether it can become true immortality in time remains to be seen. Here's the next article. DNA swap could cure inherited diseases. And it goes on to say that you can take this string of DNA. In other words, let's say you have bad teeth. But you don't want your child to have bad teeth. Right. You can take a string of DNA from a person that has good teeth and insert it into your uh, genes of, of an offspring, which, by the way, we don't need you for and we don't need your wife for. It can all be done in the test tube now. But right. we insert that string so that your child now has good teeth. Well, let's do the same thing. Okay, so let's say I have a deviated septum. I have a crooked nose. It's not bad. I haven't tried to fix it, but... Maybe I don't want my child to have that. So I take the string of DNA from this person that has a good nose. I take the string of DNA from this person that's intelligent, and we create, you see, who knows what. In other words, we are in the process, in the throes on the surface of fulfilling Genesis 6-4. However, what has been done down in the underground bases, we don't know. Right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip that. Okay, get a breath. We only got about a minute and to go off. I want to say a couple of things, if I can okay. remember. You went so fast. Um, number one, um, of course, I honestly believe saints out there, and that's the way that we teach the Word of God, is that Noah was, uh, in all his generations, he was perfect. That's because there was no alien DNA inside of him. And so, you know, we had to have a good generation of people for Christ to come from. That makes sense. Number two, the Bible's real clear about it. Um, you know, that's a big question. Why did uh, our father destroy everything besides the humans if something wasn't wrong with them? And so that's right. So, you know, you're, you're hitting uh, 100% here on most of these things, Sam, without even researching it. Where can they Okay, you said you just made a DVD. You've got about 25 seconds to tell us where to find it. Well... You would get the DVD by calling Prophecy Club at 785-266-1112 and that's at 785-266-1112, or I don't think it's on the website yet. I just made it, what, right. uh, two weeks ago. Okay, give uh, the number slow this time. I'm the sorry? The number slow. 785-266-1112. All right, so folks, we'll be back in DNA and the Mark of the Beast. Okay, we'll be back in just about three minutes with more from Stan and DNA of the Mark of the Beast. Don't go away. Pastor Dan will be right back. What makes deep sea salt from France so different? 
Up from the ocean depths in the south of France flow undersea rivers of pristine sea water. At high tide, the prepared salt ponds are filled with this water. Over spring and summer, processed only by ocean breezes and sunshine, the brine thickens and salt crystals float to the top. These are harvested with nets and deposited on wooden drainage flats to dry. The salt is then gathered up, packaged, and shipped around the world. This salt is much more than a box of lifeless sodium chloride. Soldiers with their salt were once paid with this valuable commodity. It contains 78 to 84 balancing elements. This is living salt, and once you have tasted it, you will never go back to anything else. I've seen this salt in gourmet shops for $30 a pound. Get it now at 4spectrum.us for under $8 a pound. Order 10 pounds and enter the coupon code AVRSALT at checkout and save $20. Ship free to your door or call 800-581-8906. Order today. Whether using your cell phone for business or staying in touch with family, your cell phone use is increasing. Use the Wave Shield, developed for ultimate cellular protection. The Wave Shield blocks, reduces, and deflects up to 97% of the radiation from entering the soft tissue of your ear. The Wave Shield, made of a patented mesh material, is proven and tested to block radiation without affecting reception. Order your Wave Shield today for only $19.95. Did he just say $19.95? Hey, times are tough, so American Voice Radio Network is cutting the price to $17. That's right, $17.95 plus mailing. You can protect yourself, family, and friends from cell phone danger to your inner ear. $17.95 at TheAmericanVoice.com. That's the superstore at TheAmericanVoice.com. $17.95 plus mailing. Order now. Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it. Nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. Invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. You're listening to AVR, the American Voice Radio Network. We're on free-to-air KU band satellite at Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, frequency 11836 vertical with symbol rate 20.770, PID left audio channel. Visit our website at theamericanvoice.com. We're 
back. Um, this is Pastor Dan, and you're listening to Messiah's Branch Prophecy Hour on the American Voice Radio Network. Please, Saints, remember tonight to pray about a donation for our work with the homeless and poor. And just before I bring Stan back on, I'll tell you that on TalkStream Live, we started off with the program started. We was number seven, but we came up where now people are number six, we're number six, and Glenn Beck's in number five, so what can I say? Anyway, we're now back with Apostle Stan Johnson of the Prophecy Club. You there, Stan? I am. Yeah, amen. Yeah, we're we're in slot six. Everybody listening to different programs on the net right now. So that's really pretty All good. Right. Okay, uh, well, let me bring out a couple more things, and then we'll jump into the movies things. Okay. Daniel chapter 7, verse 20 says, and these verses describe, it gives an actual description of what the Antichrist is going to look like. I think it's very interesting. And it says, um, even a bat horn that had eyes and a mouth that spake very great things, whose look was more stout than his fellows. Okay, well, what does that mean? You look at the Hebrew word, and it's rab, R-A-B, which means abundant or great. So it's hinting that the very appearance of the Antichrist looks a little different than the rest of us. Then we go to Daniel 8, 23. And it says, in the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors have come to the pool, a king of fierce countenance and understanding dark sentences shall stand up. That's talking about the Antichrist. Now, what does fierce and countenance mean? Well, fierce, the Hebrew word means strong, vehement, or harsh. And then countenance means the face. In other words, these two verses say that the Antichrist will have a stout look. In other words, a little different than the rest of us. He will have a very strong, vehement, or a harsh appearing face. Could it be the reason he looks different from the rest of us is because he has something different in his DNA? Could it be that once again Genesis 6-4 has happened? The sons of God came down and made it with the daughters of men. And, in other words, a half-man, half-fallen angel. Now let's go on to another very interesting, I'm tying this all together. I interviewed Lindsey Williams, and I don't have time to go into that, but essentially he had a friend of the ruling elite. Right. And this guy told him, quote, we play fair. You don't do anything, or we don't do anything until we have warned you. He said they consider it unfair play to attack without warning. And he says that many of the evil elite warn us through movies and television. This makes them feel empowered to see their victims totally helpless and unable to prevent their own demise. Okay, so that answers the question. Uh, do the ruling elite really prophesy in their movies? Here's a good example. Fox Television Series, the name is The Lone Gunman, aired May 2001, four months later. This was four months before the 9-11 attack. Now, right. in this particular uh, ABC or Fox Television Series, this was the scene. The pilot and the co-pilot are inside the jet. They're flying along, and all of a sudden the jet decides to change course. And they do everything but jump up and down and holler and scream at the controls, but to no avail. They absolutely cannot change course. They, can't, they have lost control of this jumbo jet. Right. Now they begin to realize where they're going. They look ahead, and lo and behold, they're heading straight into, guess what? The World Trade Center Towers. Right. But in the movie, of course, they were able to get control and pull up and just barely avoided 
flying into the World Trade Center Tower. In other words, it may have been our warning what was going to happen. Oh, that's just a fluke. Well, here's another fluke then. FX Network aired a special called Oil Storm. It aired June 5, 2005. The story headline was about a hurricane that struck New Orleans, killed thousands of people, stronger than a Category 5 storm, and it destroys a major pipeline, and the purpose was it caused the gasoline to go above $3 a gallon. Three months later, August 29th, Katrina hit New Orleans, and guess what? Gasoline rose to above $3 a gallon. Whoa. So you can't tell me that Hollywood does not know what's going on. At least somebody does, and they're telling us ahead of time. Now, with that in mind, let's take a look and see what else they say. Okay. That has not happened. May 9, 2006. It's called Fatal Contact, Bird Flu in America. In the story of this movie, a U.S. businessman visits China, infects, gets infected, and carries a deadly virus back via jetliner to the U.S. Riots erupt, armed mobs try to hijack vaccines, and, quote, authorities predict that up to 350 million people will die worldwide. Mm-hmm. Now, October the 12th, 2006, I had a dream. I was looking down upon an airplane. People were getting on this airplane, and this voice spoke as clear as I'm speaking to you right now, and it said, two men will get on an airplane with a virus. Before the plane can land, everyone on board will be dead. This will be the beginning of the end of public air transportation. We say it again. Two men will get on board of a plane with a virus. Before the plane can land, everyone on board will be dead. This will be the beginning of the end of public air transportation. Now, I've prayed about that a lot, and the only answer I can come up with as to why God would tell me that is basically he's saying, Stan, when you see this, if you want to get out of America and you don't want to have to get out with great difficulty, this is your last chance. So based on the information up at this point, when I see two men get on a plane with a virus and everybody on that plane dies, then within 48 hours, me and my family will be out of this nation. At least that's the plan. But, of course, when we see that, we'll pray and we'll see what God says. All right, now. Now let's uh, go on and let's continue to tie this together. Did you see the time machine? Sure. The new version? Sure. Okay. You know that above, on the the face of the earth, there was the Eloys. Right. And then down below were the Molochs. In other words, it's saying that if you accept the mark of the beast, then you get to live in paradise on the top, or you basically get to live in a paradise. If you don't, then you live down in the sewers. Did you see the movie with uh, Sylvester Stallone called Judge Dredd? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. The people lived under the normal, what we would call normal people like us, but they were poor, lived under the ground. And the people that walked around and, yeah, it was on top. Yeah, exactly. Okay, exactly. Then you already got it. The point of the movie was saying, if you go along with us, if you go along with the New World Order, if you take our mark of the beast, then you live very nice. If you don't, you live in the sewers, Bob. All right, did you see the movie Running Man with Arnold Schwarzenegger? Sure. Was it not the same thing? Same, yes, same thing, same type of thing. That's right, that was the same message. All right, did you see The Terminator with Arnold Schwarzenegger? Who 
didn't. Of course. Yeah, I mean, once I, again, I'll be back. Okay, I'm sorry. That's right. Yeah. Once again, if you go along with us, uh, then, of course, in that movie, all of the humans were living in sewers. Uh, have you seen the movie Demolition Man with uh, uh, Leslie Snipes and, uh, well, what's his name here? Sylvester Sloan. Yeah, Sylvester Sloan. Yeah. Yeah, I okay, it's in an alternate 1996 Los Angeles, two groups of people, one lives in harmony and peace, the other one lives in sewers. Right. And the whole point, and the same thing is in Children of Men. Uh, the, the whole point is they're trying to send a message letting you know you go along with us, you're okay, you don't go along with us, you live in the sewers. Now let's begin to tie some more things together. Let's talk about invulnerability for all people, but specifically to super soldiers. Now, Joel 2, verse 7, says they'll run like mighty men. They will climb the wall like men of war. They shall march everyone in his own ways and shall not break their ranks, and neither shall one thrust another. They shall walk everyone in his path. In other words, they're kind of like zombie soldiers. And then the next words are, and when they fall upon the sword, they shall not be wounded. Okay, hold it, stop the presses. What's this talking about? How can a person fall on a sword and not be wounded? The only two ways I can think that can happen is either they have some kind of a uh, coating on them that maybe has to do with nanotechnology, that maybe it's as thin as silk, but not a bullet or not a sword of any kind will penetrate that. Now, we do know that they are working on that. Now, I don't know that they've perfected it, but maybe they have. But it would have to be something where you could hold that sword right up against your gut and just run against the wall with the sword, and it would just bounce off. That's what it's saying. Either that or the sword goes into you, you pull the sword out, and you're instantly healed. Now, in my opinion, I think it's the latter. Why? Because... Revelation says that there's a crack that comes in the earth, and then there's this smoke that comes out of the crack, and then there's locusts that come out of the smoke. They have face of, uh, of a man, hair of a woman, teeth of a lion, and they have a tail like a serpent, and stings are in the tails like scorpions. And they sting men with the mark of the beast, and they sting them for five months. And the Bible says they desire to die, remember, but death flees from them. In other words, people that have the mark of the beast apparently have reached some kind of invulnerability. They've become eternal, just like out of Genesis 6-4. Are you seeing it, Dan? you seeing how I'm tying it together? Yeah, go ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm interested. <laughs> Keep going. Okay. All right, now let's go back to the movies. What do the movies say? And you remember us talking earlier about the other article about the uh, how they injected the monkey with this... Uh, other vaccination, this uh, DNA, and it changed the mus monkey's muscles and made them stronger. Listen to this. And also another one, how about they thought that they had come up with a cure for cancer. Listen right. to this. Did you see the movie starring Will Smith with called I Am Legend? Sure I did. Sure I did. Okay. In the movie, it starts off, a scientist has invented a vaccination for the cure of cancer. Right. Everyone begins taking it. The vaccination mutates. Months later, those that have taken it now become vampires living on the blood of the living. 
The yeah. vampire-creating virus spread. Soon, only one, is, one man is left. Now, what are we seeing in all of the movies and many things on television? Vampires. Why they just come out with this whole movie series where they make vampires look handsome and all the girls just love them. Oh, well, yeah. we all want to be vampires, don't we? No, but, yeah, that's what they want you to do. That's right. Okay. Holy crap. Now, let's see how they can twist. That Just a minute. That really boggles <laughs> my mind. I mean, how, how how can a vampire, I don't get it. They're the most evil-looking thing and is, you know, they were the creepiest things when I was a child. Bella Laguza, you know, come out. No, no, I don't get it. Well, it's, it's yeah, all right, I'm, I'm probably going to be making another DVD, and I'll I'll give you the, the, a hint here. How does the 55-mile-an-hour speed limit relate to the mark of the beast? Well, I, I'd have to think about that one. All right, here's the answer. The 55-mile-an-hour speed limit was first implemented, and the reason they said we had to do it because we used too much foreign oil. Okay. 21 years later, all of a sudden, no one was uh, – we were all surprised to hear, hey, they repealed it. Right. Well, if you go back and you look at the crude oil sales to America, it did not change them either when they started it or when they ended it. Now, when they ended it, if it was really started because we imported too much crude oil from, from foreign nations, mm -hmm. then you would have seen that there would have been a giant domestic discovery of crude oil. Now, we aren't buying as much foreign crude oil. We have plenty of crude oil, so now we can lift the 55-mile-an-hour speed limit. Well, the truth is there was no big – well, actually there was, but they won't let them produce it. But the point right. is this. The 55-mile-an-hour speed limit is all – about control. The same thing at the airports. You said it went right after 9-11. At first, you couldn't take any liquids with you on your carry-on. Then they said, oh, you can only take what you can put into a one-quart Ziploc bag. Okay, now wait a minute. Hold up. If we can't take it, uh, any liquid at all, then why do they switch it to a one-quart bag? I'll tell you why. Because too many people complain. In other words, the whole thing was an experiment, experiment in society to see how far we would go and how far we would let them push us. Oh, now, I believe that. Th you see, this is relating to it. Now, let me go on to the next uh, movie. Of course, we all have seen the Spider-Man movies. Right. Listen to this. Student Peter Parker is bitten by a genetically right. altered spider. The spider had been created in a laboratory using the best genes from five spiders. Peter finds that the spider has transferred the properties of the spider, in other words, the ability to scale walls and swing on webs, right. uh, to him and given him a superhuman strength. You see, that's what they're looking for. Do you remember the movie Iron Man? Right. Yeah, I loved it too, okay? But yeah. the plot is this. A wealthy industrialist, Tony Stark, is forced to build an armored suit impervious to bullets, flies to 100,000 feet at speed of Mach 2. In other words, it's showing us that their heart is to build and create a super soldier. Oh, Same thing with the, the Hulk. I'm sorry to keep walking on you, but you remember no, the movie I, I The Hulk? I believe that, Stan, is what I said. Okay. All right. Bruce Banner is a scientist working to find a way to use gamma radiation to... Increase healing time in soldiers. Upon subjecting himself to a gamma test, Banner transforms into a green-skinned, superhumanly powerful creature. 
Ross reveals that the goal of the program was not to develop new ways of treating injuries, but to create an army of invincible super soldiers. Now, that's their words, not mine. I took right. that right off the Internet side. Interesting, huh? Yeah, exactly. Um, isn't that the DARPA site that's talking about the super soldiers? The DARPA site does, too, yes. Absolutely. What other site was you speaking of? Oh, well, this particular one is uh, it's called the Internet Database, Internet Movie Database, But DARPA is really – tell us what DARPA is for a moment, if you got a minute. Take a minute. Okay. Uh, DARPA is basically the government site. Uh, well, DARPA is the uh, – here, let me just pull up. I can't say exactly where was it here? My, I've got my PowerPoint here, blah, blah, blah. Well, you've mentioned uh, it so many times, I thought we ought to have an explanation. Um, here it is. Okay. It's the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. In okay. other words, this is the branch of our government that is doing all of the crazy research that is melding half-man, half-gorilla, trying to create super soldiers right. and stuff like that. Right. They're not the only one, but they are they are one of them. Now, let me try to tie this all together. If okay. you tie it together, here's what essentially the, the DVD is talking about, DNA of the Mark of the Beast. My suspicion and, and my contention is that the biggest draw for people to take the Mark of the Beast may not just contain a stick. In other words, the stick and the carrot. You see, right. the mark of the beast has a stick, as if you don't take it, you lose your head. That's a pretty good stick. Right. But there's also a carrot side. And the carrot side is, if you take it, then we give you this injection. The injection goes in and changes your DNA, getting it creates you, or I should say recreates you, and gives you invulnerability. And that's the reason the Bible says horrible malignant sores break out on all of those people who have the mark of the beast. It's kind of like back to I Am Legend, that originally the scientists thought that they were coming out with a cure for cancer, but after many people had already taken it, oh, oops, right. sorry, uh, but there's something wrong. People that took this vaccination are turning up really bad, like, okay? In other words, could it be that the devil is going to say, if you take the mark of the beast, you'll live forever. We will give you invulnerability. You know that part of that Nobel Peace Prize was given because they think that they have figured out a way to stop degeneration of cells. Well, what does that mean? If our cells don't degenerate, then we live forever. Yeah. We amen. are. We are on the surface, <laughs> on the precipice of talking about creating a super soldier, giving invulnerability, giving an eternally uh, replicating uh, – eternal body to people who will take this mark, who will take this, um, this injection. We're, we're on that front. Now, that's on the surface. Where are they down in the secret under, underground laboratories? That's 25 years ahead of us. L let me throw something out there. I didn't hear you mention this one, but you probably thought of it. Um, you know the scripture that says that men will want to die in those days during the wrath of God and, and death will flee from them? Well, yes, that has to do with the uh, the locusts that sting men for five months. They want to die, but death flees from them. In other words, they want to die. They can't die because they've taken the mark of the beast. 
That's the whole point. In other words, when the mortgage comes out, yeah, if you don't have it, you won't be able to buy or sell, but if you do take it, we will offer you eternal life. We will change your DNA. We'll take the DNA away from you that causes your cells to uh, degenerate. And you can you can cut your finger, and it'll heal up immediately before your very eyes. That's okay, well, now let me ask you a question. Um, now, we've spent probably 40-some-odd minutes on this. Now, you went into detail about this, and you can prove some of this more than what we're talking about on your DVD? Um, no, I think I've done just a better job of laying it out. I have all the pictures, all of the research to it, where I've skimmed the surface tonight. Right. So, but what I mean, I'm saying let, is, let, let me just say, when I do this DVD, I mean, the anointing was so strong, I talked as fast as I could possibly talk for two and a half hours at the top of my voice. I mean, I hollered. I was punching the ear. It was, it's, I think it's one of the best DVDs I've ever made. When I was done, I was hoarse. I've never been hoarse. Done 18 DVDs, <laughs> three yeah. or more, three DVD packs, and I've never been hoarse when I was done before. But this time, I was hoarse. It's really a good DVD. Well, I really can't wait to see it. Um, it's got some fascinating things here. I'm going to have to get it just for the mere fact that I want to check. I want to see in greater detail, um, you know, what you're talking about. Because, like I said, it's the first half. I think it was the first half of the program. So those things are adding up, you know, that I haven't had a chance to, to look up that are there. That's amazing. Well, let me read this scripture, uh, Revelation okay, 9, 5. I'm and, sorry. and to Always. them it was given that they should not kill them. And it's talking about the, the, the locust. Mm-hmm. And it was given to them that they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented five months. And the torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he striketh the man. And in those days shall men seek death. In other words, they're, they're not necessarily saying that the, the scorpion or the sting of the scorpion, this flying locust thing, is killing them. They're saying that because it's so painful, they're finding all they're seeking. They're trying to kill them. They're, they're jumping out of windows. They're stabbing themselves. They're drinking poison. And in those days shall men seek death and shall not find it, and shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. Wow. That's, That's going to be incredible. Wow. So you see how that could be related to the mark of the beast. Could very well and, be, because it's definitely, let's just say this, it's definitely going to be the people that are damned. So, you know, why death does you know, flees from them, well, we don't know. That could be it. How does tattoos and vaccinations lead to the mark of the beast? Do what? No, go How ahead. do tattoos... And vaccinations lead to the mark of the beast. How does it lead to the mark of the beast? Or how does it relate to the mark of the beast? Well, you take it and you're, okay, let's go like this. The devil always tries to imitate what God does. God has a mark that he puts on his people um, to separate them so the angels know who they are. And two, he offers us eternal life. So the devil creates an imitation. Okay. You see, in the vaccinations, my understanding is, and I know you're familiar with this, that the report was that they were putting nano chips inside oh, yeah. the needle of the vaccinations so that so they, they could track who has the vaccinations. Well, why do they want to know who has the vaccination? Do we really think 
that our federal government is so concerned about our health that they want to make certain that we give their vaccination? Of course not. Okay, so then why do they want to know who has the vaccination? Well, the answer is I don't know. But I am very concerned that they want to put nanochips inside the needles of a vaccination. Yeah, could, it be, could it be that they're simply getting people used to taking shots from the government? Could it be that the push for the tattoos on everybody over the last five to seven years is simply getting them used to having things tattooed on them? Could sure be a possibility because I'm, it's just like this last season, so-called flu season. That was a test run to see how we'd react, I'm sure. Absolutely. Wow. It's like the 55-mile-hour speed limit and like yeah. liquids in your carry-on. Of course, and now the big thing is x-rays at the airport. Well, uh, I got we're late. I'm going to have to get out of here in about a half a minute, and so I need to let you tell them the phone number of the Prophecy Club one more time. Well, actually, let me just say this. They, they can go back and listen to that. I want to encourage everybody to give to his ministry. I don't have time to tell you the whole dream, but right after New Orleans, Katrina hit, our donations dropped, and I asked God, what do I say about New Orleans? And this is before I realized our donation was going to drop. He gave me a dream, and essentially he told me that I was to tell the people that they need to put God and his ministers and his kingdom first. Of course, three weeks later, I then realized why he gave me the dream because then I realized our donations have dropped like they have now. So the word of the Lord to everyone out there, make certain that you keep God and his ministries first. Nothing wrong with helping people, but you always want to take care of God and his ministries. And then if you have excess, in other words, you still give what you're supposed to give to God. If you have excess, then you can help others. Amen. I totally agree. Well, uh ready to come into the zone for the next 60 minutes. Your journey will begin in 3, 2, 1. The Prophecy Zone with your host, Phil Armstrong, your watchman on the wall. Bringing you into the knowledge only found as you pursue the truth. So set back and enter the zone of Bible prophecy and find the hope that every Christian should have. Find out what is going to happen in the year 2012 and beyond. The Middle East, the mark of the beast, the European superstate, Russia, China, Syria, and more. So set back and grab your cup of coffee and your Bible, and be prepared to enter the zone, the prophecy zone. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You're listening to the Prosperity Zone on Box Talk Radio.
October 30, 1991, President George H.W. Bush initiates the Madrid peace process to divide the land of Israel. On the very same day, a freakish hurricane, now known as the Perfect Storm, destroys the Bush vacation home in Maine. And the pattern continues. Each time America compels Israel to vacate its territory, our land is devastated on virtually the same day by Hurricanes Andrew, Katrina, the Northridge earthquake, and Joplin's killer tornado. Is this coincidence, or is there a spiritual cause and effect? In Genesis 17:8, God promised the land of Israel as an everlasting possession to Abraham and his Jewish descendants. That promise still stands. Those who bless Israel are blessed. Those who curse it are cursed. Author John McTurnan makes this open and shut case in his landmark book, As America Has Done to Israel, and the companion DVD, The Day of the Lord. For ordering details, visit John's online blog at johnmcturnan.name.